Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Hour. Thank you all for being here. My name is Mel. I am one of the head coaches with Team Resilience Group. Super excited to be um, interviewing and having on a special guest this evening, Mr. Michael Brook. Now, just to give you a little insight into how Michael fits into all of this, uh, most of you know that my journey with Team Resilience Group started as a client, uh, went along to Trent's very first retreat, and I met Michael on the top of Mount Coulomb. You did? And you did? Yeah, met, I let, did. Me get, let me guess, was he wearing camos and carrying he a big was. ass backpack? <laughs> he was, and I, I remember you describing him to us before we officially met him. It was like, okay, so... You guys, like, I just want you to think of, you know, like the jungle and stuff and this guy, right, he's like fully trained to be the guy that they drop in to save the guys that get lost. Like, that's how intense his training is. And we're all just like, oh, wow, this is cool. Can't wait to meet this guy. And on the top of Mount Coulomb, yeah, we've got to hear much of Michael's story um, of his training and survival techniques which he's going to share some of that with us this evening as well as well as um, him sharing a few little tools and, and strategies with us along the way as well so uh, Michael and I have formed a, a friendship since then too which is wonderful and um, actually went through divorce process separation process at roughly the same time so we've had um, a few conversations together and indeed just, um, yeah feeding off of each other and uh, helping mm -hmm. each other through so i'm so excited to have him on here tonight and more so i haven't had a conversation with him personally since the last little episode he went on to um, an island which i hope he tells us about this evening as well um, and I really, really, truly am, Michael, really excited to hear what you've been up to because um, there was some talk of it there in our last conversation about you putting this program together to help um, divorced men in particular. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to hear where you've gone with that. So Trent, do you have anything to say or are we going to... Oh, I'll tell you what, Michael, Michael, Michael. I met Michael as a personal trainer when I just sort of ventured into this world of personal <laughs> development and I didn't really understand what I was getting, who I was getting in front of. And he's a very humble guy, um, really, really, really nice to talk to. And then I realised very, very quickly that this guy's got 14 years of hypnotherapy or 15 or 16 now. Might be 15 yeah, or 16 about that. years. About yeah, 15 and he's, or 16. he's been trained with some of the best hypnotherapists in the world. What I love yep. about Michael is he'll always challenge me in my beliefs, and that's just part of good friendship. I also had the, I, when I met him too, I was right into my uh, heavy endurance training as well. So I was able to part some of that knowledge onto him and get a lot of his leg conditioning and thought processes around pack rucking and, and that sort of stuff. And then from there, it was just great conversation, and I realized that. Um, I'd be mad not to learn from this guy. I have been hypnotized by Michael and he helped me with phone addiction. Um, and I felt like I was out for about three or four minutes, but I was out for probably think about 40 minutes. So um, uh, a wealth of knowledge, NLP practitioner as well. Um, oh, mate, I'm going to let you fill the rest here, mate, because um, 
you have an incredible story and I've heard the Survival Island story because you'd be we, we would have a few phone calls and also too you've helped me with one of our me, our first men empowerment retreat and we really need to get back into that space again um, yep. led by you of course so mate I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you sort of share your story initially and then Mel really wants to ask some questions and we're just going to let it flow from there how's that sound yeah, sure. Well, um, I guess uh, well, a long time ago, I ah oh, well, I first started my journey with um, NLP and hypnosis somewhere around two thousand and one, um, and I was introduced to um, <laughs> introduced to NLP. I went to a Tony Robbins seminar actually, and um, um, at that seminar, I went, you know what? I really want to learn more about that stuff. And so when I got back, this was in Sydney, and when I got back to Brisbane. Um, actually, had to, when, I, when I went to that seminar, the girl I was dating at the time who took me down there said, oh, the last time I came to one of these, I was with my husband. And um, when I was at the seminar, I decided then that he wasn't, we were, him and I weren't going to be together. So be interested to see what happens with us. <laughs> and so, um, so I got back from the, the uh, Tony Robbins seminar and I decided I wanted to learn a lot about it. So. So I did, so I did my uh, practitioner training, uh, then I did my master practitioner training, and then I noticed people that were very good at it also done hypnosis training, so I did my basic hypnosis training, then I did my master hypnosis training, then I did my, I did um, two NLP trainers trainings, one with John Grinder, who founded the whole thing, then I did 21 days with John, um, I um, did, um, then I did my basic hypnotist, I did my master hypnotist, and I did a trainer's training you know, for hypnosis. Um, uh, I've written a 12-day NLP practitioner training, which I've delivered twice. Um, I've written a master pack training, which is also goes to 12 days. Um, and yeah, so I've done a heap of stuff so in this space. But uh, principally, I do work one-on-one -on -one with people. So because um, that's kind of my what I what I like to do, um, and so as well, um, you know, uh, I got involved with the survival thing a few years ago, um, and it's significantly informed my worldview. Because a few years ago, I noticed um, that in some aspects of my life, I was actually very comfortable, and growth occurs on the out on outside of the comfort zone, and um, as my experience from learning NLP hypnosis has informed me is that if you want to learn something, you want to go to the best of the best. You want to go to the really, really top guys to learn from them. And so I found a guy on Sunshine Coast who teach, who taught survival and his name is Duke Chungavid and he ran a school called Bush Law Australia and he was the lead survival instructor for the Australian Army and he was the head survival instructor for the Australian SAS for a decade and so I started learning from him and so um, since then it was kind of uh, I've decided I wanted to well you know just get dirty and bug bitten and sleeping on coral and rocks and and um, and um, in and trying to challenge myself because one of the things I've learned along the way is that challenges where the fun's at. So you never never grow inside your comfort zone. And so the only way to get outside your comfort zone is to get uncomfortable. And um, one a great way of doing that is to take everything away. So take away all your comforts, take away food, take away um, shelter, and then who are you when you take everything away? And so 
that's a really interesting question and it's something that very few people actually figure out, right? So what happens when you take everything away and it's just you and stuck in the bush or in last, uh, the circumstance of last year of being stuck on the island? So um, one of the things about where challenge... Was where was the island, mate? So it was a place called Elfin Island. It was, um, it was off the coast of Vanuatu. Um, it was about a couple of kilometres off the coast near yeah. a, a town called Hog Harbour. Mm-hmm. Um, so as one of the things about challenges is as you, as you try a challenge out and master it, soon it becomes easy and that becomes a comfort zone. So the way to, to continually get out to a, to um, continually experience more challenge is to get further and further outside of your comfort zone. And so um, I had this thing and you know, the whole idea of if you think about something, it kind of, it can show up, right? It, it, and the more you focus on something, um, the, the, the more likelihood you have of, of manifesting that in your life. And so I had this idea, I really, once I started the, the um, survival thing, and actually before I started the survival thing, I saw, you know, I, I saw the Tom Hanks movie, you know, was it Survivor or Castaway? Castaway. And, um, Wilson! Wilson, that's right. <laughs> I, I almost took a volleyball with me to Vanuatu, actually, so I could have Wilson, so I could talk to Wilson. Um, so, but surprisingly, when I got there, there wasn't a volleyball waiting on the fucking coral. So, <laughs> um, but I saw that and I thought, I wonder, I wonder if I could do that, right? I wonder if I could do that. And so, fast forward a few years, and I started learning with, um, I started learning with Rich, and I and I wanted to, I wanted, I thought, I really want to do that. I want to try it out, right? I want to see if I could, because one of the things about putting yourself way outside the safety net is that you can fuck up really quickly. And if you fuck up really quickly, you are dead very fast. Um, one of the big lessons I've learned from going to Vanuatu was death stalks us closely. We do not know just how close death is. So I could take you in a particular context and in very, very, within three days, you'll be flat out dead, right? And it will be relatively simple for me to do that. Like I know exactly where to go, right? In th- within three days, unless you can find a reliable supply of clean water, you are flat out dead. Um, so right now, I'm really not looking forward to hanging out with you soon. Mike. <laughs> no, well, no trips, so, none of Michael's retreats. Ever. <laughs> we, were, we were joking about this off camera. I was telling him about our vision and what's happening next, and he's like, "Cool, first night they come visit, no, no bed for them." <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the thing. So, um, so look, you know, and so what I so in my survival challenges aren't for everyone, right? So, I, and the, the whole point of um, is taking someone on onto a survival or taking someone on a retreat is not a matter of scaring the pants out of them. But I only realized that when I actually got onto the island, um, that very, very quickly, that um, the norms of our society have people inured to risk and have people inured to the fact that, yeah, death is really close to us. It stalks us closely. Now, how? Do, so, so, so here's the answer to the question of, how is it that I know that, right? So, um, and which is, brings me to one of the points I wanted to make tonight. So one of the things by learning from the instructor that I did is that um, he talks about something called survival in depth, 
right? So if you're going to go somewhere where you need to achieve something, you need to find, you need to have on your body or your person or your pack three different ways of achieving that outcome, right? So if you're going to go somewhere where you need to light a fire, you need three different ways of lighting a fire. So you need matches, cigarette lighter, or a fire striker, because the matches might, you might lose the fire striker, the cigarette lighter might not work, and the matches not what work. But if you've got three different ways of doing it, one of those ways is probably going to work, right? Say, for example, you're going to a remote tropical island and you need to find water, right? If you don't have water within three days, you're, um, you're, you start having organ failure, right? It's just, some people can go longer, but for the most part, three days, it's a rule of threes. You can live three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food. So once you get shelter sorted out, the first thing you want to sort out is, is water. So if you can't get reliable supply of clean drinking water within three days, you're having kidney failure. And you and then once you have kidney failure, then you have very quickly um, roll onto multiple organ failure. So you've got three days to figure it out, right? So, um, so I got dropped off on the island with six liters of water to basically cover the first day and a half, right? So I was gonna be there for a week. So I needed to find 21 liters of water and there was no natural water supply. Um, there were some coconuts, but the problem with the coconuts that were there, it was there were whole coconuts. Now you can drink coconut water. Green coconut water is great. It's awesome supply of, uh, of um, hydration. In fact, it, uh, um, in, some, the, in the 1950s, the British did an experiment where they used purified coconut water as, as IV fluids and 60% of people that were used coconut water as IV fluids had no adverse re reactions to that. It's full of natural electrolytes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so in any case, so first day I was there, I, um, if to the extent that I could, um, now this place is jungle, right? <laughs> sort of, if you had this idea of like beautiful palms slaying in the wind and great beautiful beach it wasn't like that it was jungle down to the waterline and within a within a 50 meter radius of where it's put on the beach there was free space uh, other than that it was flat out jungle with like intense impenetrable vines right so moving through it in any distance was incredibly time consuming and incredibly energetically sapping and also pull the whole uh, water out of me so i went along the coastline so if i could find um, some green coconut, uh, some coconut trees, and also it was trying to find a water source, and it, that's what I did for the first day. Right? Couldn't find it by middle of the second day. Um, yeah, I was starting to get real worried because um, I was getting pretty dehydrated. Um, my kidneys were starting to hurt. Um, my urine was dark brown, which meant my kidneys are bleeding. And so, so by the end of the second day, I really needed it. So, but. Once again, getting back to the rule of threes, right? So you need three different ways of getting water. Well, one was coconuts. I lucked out on the green coconuts. I had brown coconuts, which gave me some food, but if you drink uh, brown coconut water, it gives you diarrhea, which means you get really dehydrated. So the food I was, uh, so I, I really rapidly, very quickly decided drinking that um, coconut water was really bad because it was actually making me worse. So. So I lucked out on, on a spring. There were no springs because the entire island was made of coral. So any rain that fell went straight through the ground, right? So the only thing I could do was put water traps out and, and hope for it to rain. Now, 
given the time that I went there, it was the end of the rainy season. So I had several um, several uh, tarpaulins, well, tarpaulins of plastic um, kind of fabric sheets that I used as water traps. And so on the night of the second, uh, it was about 11 o'clock on the um, second night, it started to rain, right? And so by the time it got quarter past 12, I got out of, um, I was sleeping in like a kind of a cave kind of depression in the rock. So I was actually dry, um, but um, I got out and it was quarter past 12 and I was like, purifying the water and drinking it and and oh god that felt good i'll never ever forget that moment where i had that first liter and a half of that rainwater and i had some hard light tabs in there and i could feel my kidneys going yes thank you you know <laughs> that was just an amazing moment so um any case so but you know if the only if, if the only thing that i had was one approach then I would have gotten really fucked up. I would have had to get off there. Now, there was a guy, there was a local fisherman that drove his boat past once a day. He was my backup guy. So I, I could signal to him um, to come and get me. But if I accidentally cut my hand as I was, I was swinging a, a, a bloody great big knife a lot, so if I cut my hand or if I, you know, cut myself on a coral or fell over or whatever, there was no, there's no ambulance, you know? <laughs> His boat was the only thing that went drove past every day, and that was it. There was I saw like one piece of motorized equipment a day, right? So it was actually so it was way outside the safety net. So if you're going to do that, you want to make sure you're prepared. So that's another thing, though, one of the things that was incredibly important or emphasised by my instructor was prior planning and preparation events piss poor performance. You want to have three different ways of achieving everything. Right. If you're going to achieve fire, you want three different ways of lighting fire. If you're going to purify or capture water, you need three different ways of doing that. If you're going fishing, you want to have three different ways of doing that. If you want to trap some animals, you want to have three different ways of doing that. Right? It's called survival in depth. Right? How often do people think intensely about different ways of achieving what they want to achieve? Yeah? Because if your life depends upon it, and I'm t I told you I put it and because I'm I can tell you assuredly that I put myself in a circumstance where my life depended upon that and it worked. Right? Mm. So how often do you think about three different ways of achieving what you want? Now, yes, it's really important to focus on one. It's really important to focus on the outcome, but it's also important to not be out, not be completely focused on one way of achieving it because yeah. that might not lock out. That might lock out. Mm. Right? I, I really love the way that you've led that three different ways of leading that into just everyday life you know yeah. we're, not, we're not talking about everybody having to go and stick themselves in these really extreme no, places that so you know but let's look at how we can actually look, apply this to everyday life yeah you know you don't want to hear about what it's like to have severe diarrhea on an isolated <laughs> island <you know? laughs> that's a story for another show that's that's not fun you know or you know and um you know, there's some elements about the or you know eating. I, you probably don't want to eat weeds for three days, and I've done that. I've I've I've, I've put myself in a context where I had to eat weeds for three days, right? And that's that was my food, eating weeds, right? But it's actually really interesting, surprising how often how many weeds are actually quite edible. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, when I lived in Melbourne for a long period of time, a lot of nunas would go out to the garden and mm. pick weeds. Yeah. And put it in the food. And I thought, what are they doing? And then I got told they actually use the weeds for cooking. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, so getting back to so that so that experience, one of, so there's a few interesting things about that experience. One of which is um, the the concept of survival in depth of having three different ways of doing things actually really, really works really well. Yeah. So when I got onto the island, um, there wasn't any. Everything was wet, so um, wasn't any. I couldn't burn anything. So feet of so I was really shit at fishing. So I did manage to catch one fish, but I couldn't get anything. Um, so that because it was the end of the rainy season, all the wood was wet, right? So if my only way of cooking that was with wood, then I was screwed, <laughs> right? But I managed to have in my pack 500 milliliters of methylated spirits, right? So one of the last things I managed to pick up before I um, before I got dropped off, right? I had to go to I had to go to every um, every hardware store in Luganville um, to, to just to find it. And we finally got the last one, and then they took me out because they didn't want to go to the island without this um, uh, without the methylated spirits. As it turns out, that was really important because it meant I could have a really nice cup of coffee every day. <laughs> but it also meant I could cook the fish, right? If the way of cooking the fish required finding dry wood, well, I would have been shit out of luck and I would have been hungry. But I managed to eat that fish, right? And if I'd have managed to catch fish regularly, um, I would have been shit out of luck, right? Now, so for the most part, most people don't think that way. They don't think about having multiple ways of achieving the outcome, multiple ways of multiple income sources, right? Mm. Multiple, multiple ways. Now, if, if you want to be happy, how is it you're going about being happy? Right? Yeah. If you're, if you're getting clients for your business, what are the, what are the three different ways you, you're finding about how to get those? Yeah. That's a really good point. We teach uh, with our coaching certification, they're like, how many socials do I get on? And I'm all of them. <laughs> how many, and how many socials do I post on every day? I'm like all of them. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that's a really good, it's a really good analogy, mate. Yeah. And so, so there's a number, there's a number of really interesting things that are, uh, I learned about that. And the other thing is about <laughs> um, it places, that place is brain snappingly beautiful. Right, and yeah, I just sit on the rock, and there was this. There was this. Um, my it was my afternoon rock. It was a piece of slab of coral that had been pushed up out of the ocean. I just lay down there and used to sit around, and think about life for a few hours, and I'd do a little bit of fishing, and you know, just hang out, you know. So uh, one of the one of so one of the interesting things about it is, the, and looking in, in that place is everything is living and dying at the same time. Mm. Yeah, we are living and dying, living and dying, living and dying. So on an island, things are living, things are dying. And some of the, sometimes the things that are dying, they're being captured and used by life. Yeah. So if you dropped a piece of coconut on, on the coral within, you know, on tropical islands, uh, at least ones that don't have shitloads of tourists on them, um, crabs form the function of insects. So literally, if you stop moving and make no sound within a couple of minutes, you'd see these little, well, I wouldn't say swarms, but this tiny little 
thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny crabs moving all over the place trying to find trying to find some food so you drop a piece of um coconut on there um you within 15 minutes or so um there'd be 20 to 30 crabs on top of that piece of coconut fighting it out so you get some or chewing away at it so in nature nothing is wasted mm. yeah and who, you could have like uh, and this is my my terrible sense of humor you could have had like crab fight club oh, yeah, <laughs> yes that's, that's right um the the crab hunger games may the odds forever be in your favor because you know? <laughs> they aren't you know and so um you know look some aspects of my pre so um everything's living and dying at the same time and so part of um part of the reason for going there was to you know put some put some perspective on um on my divorce and what happened with that and so in your life things are living and dying at the same time sort of sooner or later you're going to die sooner or later even if you're together one of you will die right mm. yeah. and so so and which brings you kind of to rebuilding the, the whole rebuilding the divorce man thing is that you know sometimes some things have their time and you don't know when that's going to be and sometimes you might hope that it's not what it is and sometimes you might hope that it is what it is and sometimes you might have wanted more time and sometimes it was the time. So um, on the island, so and on the island, a number of things became crystal clear to me is that relationships are driven and, and this is um, my thoughts about relationships are strongly influenced by David Schnarch's material. So he wrote several absolutely amazing books one of which call is called intimacy and desire and um and the other one is the sexual crucible so relationships are profoundly driven by integrity right and integrity is all about being true to who you are and what you want and so whether you're in a relationship or whether whether you're out of a relationship and and or single and looking for a relationship you have to be true to who you are and conflict in relationship and a lack of desire within a relationship comes when people compromise their own integrity. So on the island, there was, there's only you, right? It's like a week of, of full introspection where there's literally no contact. I had, I, um, and there's only you, it's you facing yourself and facing darkness. Like when I say darkness, I mean at night, um, because there was, was, there was no moon um, under a jungle canopy where you literally hear just thousands of crabs and mosquitoes moving and, and, and birds and stuff. When you look up, there is no light at all. So it's like looking into the, into the black face of nothingness. You see yourself when you look into the abyss, and um, that's like. And some, sometimes, some when you do that, sometimes that's uncomfortable. But you also actually go, you know what? What what's really matters? What's really important to you? And that's part. A lot of the reasons, might have a lot of value of, of doing what, doing that experience is you actually look at and consider fully what's important to you. Yeah. 
So what's worth, what's worth dying for and what's worth living for are two very, very important questions, particularly get a place where, well, you know, if I'd have swum 40 meters out of um, offshore and got picked up by the current, there was nothing but 2000 nautical miles of blue water between Vanuatu and Hawaii, right? It was like, you know, small, a small fuck up in that place had life ending consequences, right? <laughs> So, so the concept of dying on that place, in that place, wasn't an abstract thought at all, right? So what's worth living for and what's worth dying for? And, I mean, again, you know, coming back and relating this back into people that will be listening and, and on tonight and um, in the future as well, listening into the podcast, like, let's look at other situations in life that create that kind of awareness and those que that question asking comes about and tragedy and trauma, you know, those couple of things definitely come to mind hundred yeah. percent. You know, those moments that really make you think about, okay, like shit, this is a massive change, a massive shift that is happening in my life. I've got two choices here. Do I stay the same or do I take this moment to create a complete and opposite new, new um, reality? That's exactly right. Mm. You know, so, so, so getting back to kind of um, one of the things also I realised on the island is there, what's worth having in your life? That's a really important. When you take everything away, a good question to ask is what's worth having in your life, right? Who is it that you'd like to have in your life? Yeah? Because if you take everything away, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, like it's just you and the blue water in that, in the case of Vanuatu, it was just you and the water. So what's worth, what's worth having your life? Well, one of the things that isn't worth having your life is unnecessary conflict. And the unfortunate thing frequently in divorce is people get in, get hooked up into this unnecessary conflict loop mm -hmm. because they can't break out of the pain and trauma of the past. Right. Mm. But the past is the past, you know, and I sat down sort of, and one of my, some of my, wild rambled musings and one of the things is as if as you get more and more colloquially deprived your cognitive function kind of tends to wander and you start thinking about all different kinds of stuff um and so you know well sort of what's what's with um what do you want to have in your life and you notice and one of the things i uh, i thought about was if there were no clocks would the island know It wouldn't. Would the crabs know? They wouldn't. No. no. The tide would come in, the tide would go out, the crabs would come in, the crabs go out, the mm. fish would do their thing. So life is just one continuous sequence of new states. Something yeah. new, something new, something new, something new. It's just another now, it's another now, we got another now. Okay, and it, the next day the tide comes in, the tide goes out, the tide comes in, the tide goes out, the tide comes in. The island wouldn't know, right? Mm. So why hang on to stuff that's already gone? It doesn't yeah, make it doesn't it, make sense. <laughs> no, and it's it's a common way of thinking, this linear time, you know, just being stuck in that mentality that that that's life. Whereas yeah. if you can look at life as being this ever evolving circular motion of just every, everything, life and death and that, new growth and yeah. all of that stuff. 
That's certainly right. changes your perspective. Yeah, it does. Mm. So, and you don't need to get attacked by squadrons of mosquitoes at um, a half an hour before sunrise and half an hour before sunset. Um, it was actually, it was amazing. Like, <laughs> um, literally everything that smelled like me by the time the sun went down was surrounded, or just before last light, was surrounded by swarms of mosquito because I was the only big bag of blood within a couple of kilometres, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so every every mosquito was coming after me. So I literally had like, I, I had mosquito spray. I'm like going, <laughs> and spray my pack. And I, uh, so my, my, my one concession to comfort was I took a mosquito net because I knew if I didn't do that by, by the end of a week, I would be mad. And so I was like spraying my mosquito net and anyway, but so that's it. So, um, so getting back to the whole divorce thing. And so one of the things about when people go through something traumatic like divorce and or a relationship breakup is that they, they feel like they don't have a sense of their own future. It's like, feels like someone's taken their future away from them. Yeah. And so when people get together, there's a number of things, people get together in a relationship, they do a number of things. They form a common vision of a future, right? So their, their future involves certain things that they know they're going to do together, right? They're going to maybe you know, grow together, they're going to build houses together, they do investments together, they're going to retire together, they're going to watch the kids grow up together, they're going to take the kids to high school, they're going to take the kids to see the kids graduate from uni, they're going to see the kids get married, blah, 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 blah. Right, they're going to do all these things together to have this common vision of a future, right? And there's also a common vision, common sequence of experiences of the past, right? But time is simply a construct that we use to organize our experience, right? And so, what happens with lots of people when, when and my, certainly myself included, is that when people go through a divorce, it feels like their future's just gone. And so, when they try to look in the future, there's nothing, right? It's like, what do I do now? Like, what, what's, what's the future look like? And they don't know. Mm. And so for me, having a vision of the future has always been really important to me until I separated and I, you know, spent some time and I just sat down at my, you know, I was staying at my sister's place for a while and I sat down and tried to think about what's going on, going to happen in my future. And literally for about two hours, I literally could not create a vision of anything in my future. It's like everything in the future was a blank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they form a sense of their common sense of their identity. So it's no longer Melinda and her husband. It's Melinda husband, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and so they, you formed it. So instead of your identities being two separate things, they get smooshed. Yeah. Yeah. And then when that goes, and that, that tearing apart of identity is really traumatic, right? Because the identity is the highest chunk level. Like people, everything that people do, every, the, all the things they go for, the outcomes they go for, their values must be congruent, consistent with their sense of identity. Yeah. Yeah. So if you change someone's sense of identity or have have a part of their identity completely removed, mm. then it's incredibly traumatic, and they don't know what what the fuck am I going to do now? All right? Yep. Who, who am I with no relationship to my ex husband? Like can relate. Yeah. Yeah, hundred so percent. Who am I, mm. right? Mm. And so, and but, and so that's one as so that's one aspect that needs to be attended to. And and on the island, well, that was like, you know, who am I? Who do I want to be? 
because it's a continuous sequence of now. So the other thing, the other thing about, uh, there's an interesting thing about that happened to me on the island, which is one of the things is that I also um, talk about in the Rebuilding Divorce Man program is the concept of grief. So grief is a central part of a relationship breakup or a separation and a divorce. But there are another aspects about grief. So you grieve for the loss of your future, right? So I'm never going to blah. You can fill in the sentence, Mel. I'm never going to be able to. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm so far beyond that now. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But at the time, at the time, you, time, yeah, no, you're like, time, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, 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 lots of things, lots of things were coming up for me. I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm never going to, um, never be, never going to be able to build another house. That was one mm -hmm. thing that came up for me because it was something that we did together, and it was my belief that I couldn't do it on my own and that I needed a man to be able to, um, that was something that we did together. Mm -hmm. Something that we did together it was a big part of our relationship. Anyway, I, lo and behold, I've bought my own block of land and I'm building a goddamn house. So, yeah, damn straight. Yeah, <laughs> with, with no man, you know, but um, yeah, initially yeah, so much, you know, and, and just losing relationships too. I'll never be able to speak to this person again because that person was so connected to my ex-husband and mm. you know like you yeah it sucks it sucks yeah. so, absolutely so, sucks those parts of it so grief is a central aspect of of um but you you grieve for the things you your future you grieve for who you thought they were yeah. because how they're behaving right now is very different to the person who stood up in front of a bunch of people and said i do yeah so it's so to who you thought they were and you also you see and you grieve for like relationships have a life of their own and you grieve for that loss right which brings on to relationships often also in when people go through a divorce or separation their beliefs about relationships are fundamentally altered because they might have been they might have bought into the whole disney bullshit of living happily ever after right <laughs> guilty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh but when he said i do it's going to be happily ever after and it's never going to change and blah 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 yeah blah, but blah. you know part of that i remember looking at my the relationship that my parents had and i think you and i even had this conversation once and you said to me yeah but would you want the relationship that your parents have and i was like no like no. they're together no. but yeah. no I, I wouldn't i want so much more than that yeah and mm -hmm. so 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 Considering relationships is really important. So in terms of um, re-modifying re your belief systems about relationships is, is a central part of getting over divorce and separation. Now, the other thing too, it's really important for you to consider is what's your mental point of origin? Yeah. So in a relationship, so in a marriage, particularly marriage with kids where you've built life together, your point, the first thing you think about is what's best for the family what's best you know if you were going to do something will will my ex be happy with this mm -hmm. will he will he be pissed off if i do go and go and do this right mm -hmm. so will the will the kids be pissed off if i do that will the kids be happy if i do this will he be happy if i do that right so your sense of your own 
mental point of origin of what's important to you and where you go to first. So the point of origin is about what you think about first, right? Yeah. Now, for most people in a long-term relationship, the point of origin be becomes entirely externalized from themselves. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, you could also probably, from NLP, in NLP jargon, you probably describe this as a perceptual position, right? But, but I, I like the term point of origin. It's what do you think about first? When you consider a course of action, do you consider what's what you want to do, what your partner wants, what your kids want, what everybody else wants, what your family wants, blah, 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 blah. Well, when, when, you, um, <laughs> when you change that, when you go from married to separated and divorced, you've got to learn how to think about what you want. Hmm. Yeah? Do you and know, that, can, yeah, that could be really tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll put my hand up and say we're now um, almost two years into uh, divorce and I'm only just coming to that place now. I had so many boundaries and barriers up about being this protective mom and I didn't want, um, you know, I didn't want to bring people into men, other men into my life and, and meet my children until I'd been on X amount of dates and went through all this process of, um, you know, my relationship with my ex-husband was quite hostile. So I was protecting myself a lot of the time was a lot of my realizations as I was protecting myself from not creating that unnecessary conflict that didn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, kids always thinking about the kids, how is this going to affect the kids? And yet, you know, I'm depriving myself of, growing you know meeting someone new potentially moving into another relationship because i'm worried about how it's going to affect them if it works out or doesn't work out so in some senses that's actually entirely natural and good mm -hmm. but there's a point at which you need to decide well maybe that maybe they're resilient enough to be able to deal with it yeah 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 and so you know in and I, and I know, I know your experience. Yep. And mm. so yep. you've got to ask the question is at what point do you go, you know, maybe it's time. Well, I let him go first and have the relationship with someone else, which yep. didn't work out. And I've seen that my kids are fine. So like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. That's right. Also, like, this is going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so let your ex. Yeah, you 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 make the mistakes first, and I'll see what happens, and then I'll make bone from there. Yeah. So, so the question is: So, what's your point of origin? Right. And so, this is a really important aspect. Yeah. And so, it's actually really, really hard to do. I know. Just just after I, just after first separate, I tried to think about what I really, really wanted to do, and it took like a couple of hours for me to actually come up with it, something that wasn't related to mm. only me, right? And that's part, part of the whole vision of, that's part of the whole island thing is I wanted to do that because it's something unam unambiguously, selfishly, something that only I could do because yeah. I, the only, I only know about a dozen guys who are all in, this, in, the, kind of in that survival group that I'd actually ask along, right? So I probably wouldn't want to ask too many other people to go and do that without sufficient training, without them having the right gear, because, well, it is putting them in life-threatening danger. And yeah. I'm and a very, everyone's under my influence, under my protection. And yeah. so I've said to you that before.
Mm. It's, it's very important that if um, if I'm going to influence someone, that um, I will protect them from any and all dangers that I can possibly conceive of, including ones I might actually introduce myself. And so, um, so it's very important. So, um, so never get getting back to the, uh, the point of origin. It's like what works for you, right? What works for the kids, and lots of other considerations need to be put in their appropriate priority list. So that's a point of origin, yeah. right? And it's a massive change, particularly if you've been married for a long period of time or with that person for a long period of time. It's really, really difficult. And some people don't make that change, you know? Mm. Um, you know. Do, so, you think it's, do you think it's more difficult if the kids are younger too compared sure. to if they're, um, if they're older? Yeah. 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 Uh, um, Trudy's just asked, do you have to be divorced or separated to do your program? No. 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 So the same thing works for a long-term relationship, right? It's just a sort of separation divorce is um, the catalyst for those experiences and lessons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the final one, the final one um, that, that I came up with as part of the Rebuilding Divorce Man Project is the, is the concept of mission. So what's your mission in life? Yeah, what makes you get up out of bed? Right? So important. And this is one thing that, uh, you know, like, you know, what, seven or nine guys a day commit suicide yeah. um, relating to divorce. Because yeah. they make the happiness and the happiness of their wives, the happiness of their family, the health of their family, mm. their entire life's mission. Mm. And when, when the hammer comes and... Um, divorce happens or something else happens, you know, they lose their job or whatever, mm. they feel like they're unable to complete that mission, they wake up out of bed and go, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? Like, I got nothing. Like, you know, what's the point? I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. Oops, it's too hard. I'm done. Right? Yeah. So, um, as a mum, you make you, and in uh, and um, as a mum, you make the health and happiness and um, the the good growth of your kids your one of your top priorities, right? Hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, part of your it's it's mm. it's your mission, right? Yeah. Yep. Now that's going to change, as it should, as they get bigger and become more able to deal with life themselves mm. yeah and so through the process of going through separation and so and um and divorce you have to create a new mission for yourself that's not entirely focused on the family or you and your partner or whatever it's like what else is there yeah 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 and so it's those things that make up the totality of the experience of separation and, and divorce. It's future, identity, grief, relationship, point of origin and mission. Yeah. So all of those things need to be addressed simultaneously in order to get to a place where you are resourced, where you, where you have a new sense of you, have a, create a new positive future, where you have a, a, a sense of your own identity in no relation to anybody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. where you've dealt with the grief and it's past you where you've 
come up with the lessons and learnings about how relationships actually work when you have a new point of origin and we've got a mission that points you forward in a way that means you can get up out of bed and go, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things need to be dealt with together. And so that's the Rebuilding Divorce Man program. But it not only works for men, it works for women as well, because the same things happen, right? Yeah, just different skin. Just different skin and, you know, of course, um, there, there are different differences, but lots of similarities as well. One, que um, one question I'd love to ask you. Yeah. One question I'd love to ask you, Michael, because you've got an incredible skill set of resilience and endurance. So I imagine that there would be not too much that could rock you from your path in life and that strength. So can you just like out of a place of vulnerability, just describe what it was like for you emotionally that that process of the, whether it's the grief or, or what happened for you post your separation well look it, you know like anybody else I, I cried a lot you know i i sort of i drank a lot i cried a lot i i yelled and screamed a lot you know i went through all the stages of grief that everybody goes through you know it's a denial sort of happens to be happening anger that that you know effing um you know um sort of you know dabda denial angle blame acceptance and then then you get through the other side you know um so i did the same thing too but one of the things i did also was <laughs> well you know i did those things sometimes on my own like when i'm eating weeds so kind of accelerates the process a little bit, you know, mm, <laughs> you, yeah. know you can, you can um, if you're in, you know, if you're in a forest and, you know, you're eating weeds and, you know, it's just rained and your fire's gone out, well, you've got a lot more immediate problems, you know, you're like it's cold and you need yeah. to basically <laughs> light a fire so you can have your morning coffee and not die, you know, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, so that being in that, those kind of contexts also puts you mm, um, it, it does accelerate the process. Yep. So, um, you know, and I'd have to say um, that, you know, my relationship with, with my ex right now is actually very good. And she's been a, and, you know, we're, we're dealing with this COVID thing together and, mm. um, and we're, we're, we're working really well as a team right now. So your enemy can become your ally if you're prepared to let go. Yeah, same. I, yeah, can't even, um, you know, couldn't even fathom that our, our, co-parenting relationship would ever come into um existence really i would just i totally park that and was like you just do your thing over there and you do and i'll do my thing over here and it was only february it was at the point where i was like you can only email me when you you need to contact me you are not to text message me ever and if you yeah it was so hostile and then now it's just like all of a sudden he's I'm, I'm just done you know done with the bs and so you know there's so many covid like thank you yeah yeah thank you yeah you know and you know i i when i got off the island which was almost exactly one year ago when i got off the island i was like i'm i'm, I'm ready to let this go but it took mm. a little while um and so your enemy can become your ally if you're prepared to let go of the past. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Work as a team. Yeah, 
And so, yeah. so yeah, you know, so that whole process of, of dealing with that wasn't wasn't pretty, and I probably did some things I'm not happy about, um, as we all probably did. Um, and relate. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, um, but it was through the create, you know, <laughs> um, at the moment where I thought my entire future had been taken away. At the time, at, at that moment, I thought, well, I got to put myself back together again. Mm. So if I can rebuild myself, I can learn how to teach other guys. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. the other thing too is, you know, as a as a martial artist, um, you know, I got a black belt in martial arts, right? So um, it took somewhere between four and five hundred training sessions. So they don't give away those things easily or cheaply, and it costs takes a lot of pain to mm. earn them. Yeah. But in the end, so one of the, one of the lessons I learned from getting from doing that from getting that is this: in the end, it's got nothing to do with a piece of black cotton, because that's all black belt is. It's a long length, like long strip of black cotton that's folded and and stitched and sewn. So it has nothing to do with the black cotton. It's got everything to do about the journey you're on, and the level of perseverance and pers and persistence you have in order to get there and to it's who you become along the way that allows you to get that piece of black cotton and that's what really matters it's not mm. the black cotton mm. and so at the time i knew that i could i could get through anything and um, i could get through i could get through the the separation and divorce because i knew that i could deal with anything mm. all right so i had a, an unshakable belief in my ability to do that mm. And that's um, now that's not to say the process didn't require wasn't ugly and it wasn't painful and didn't hurt like hell. Mm. Um, but I, I knew um, that I'm a survivor. But how, how important <laughs> is it to, you know, how important is it to acknowledge that? Because, you know, how many men out there leave relationships or have relationships end and they just pretend like it didn't hurt and that they didn't have to, that there's nothing to process there and they just try and move on, you know, just suppress all of that and try and try and move on and just don't so, honour that, you know, that don't honour that, that, that grieving process. Well, it depends on, yeah, it depends on how you, how you talk to them. I, because mm. since then I've been working a lot with divorce guys because of, because of uh, building the rebuilding divorce men program building bossman project and i've spoken to a whole heap of guys about that um if you they they might not be open open up to you as a woman so yeah. i have to say that straight up because yeah. you you represent that which hurt you yeah. hurt them yeah? yeah but um as some as a guy that's been through the experience they they don't have a problem talking about it to me <laughs> um so um um and yeah, so I don't, I, I haven't had that. Um, most guys also, when, sometimes when I meet the most guys, when I meet most guys talking about the rebuilding divorce mem, um, and program, um, they're in a pretty bad shape. Mm. Yeah, and you know, some of them uh, have been suicidal. Um, some of them have had incredible acts of cruelty meted out to them by their ex. Yeah. So, you know, cruelty doesn't have a gender. So mm -hmm. I could tell you some stories um, offline, but holy shit, 
Oh yeah, I've I've heard some. You know, there there definitely are some men out there that have um, opened up to me because I'm you know very open and vulnerable about my my experience through through divorce and yeah. definitely mm-hmm. had those people reach out and um, share. Mate, some I'm seven hundred thousand. I'm seven hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see my kids at all. I don't see right. my yeah. three dollars off to anything other yeah. than bitter women, and that's I've painted them in a pretty good light. Yeah, fact is that if it was me and you on an island, I would probably be using a lot of expletives. But without that pain, <laughs> there is no growth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like without that pain. So you, uh, I think when people get stuck in a fantasy, is they go, "Can I have uh, all the good without all the bad?" Uh, yeah, and um, sort of getting back to um, where people get, where, where guys get stuck is is they get into a loop, and often the loop is about about either a not being not letting go of the past, or b even though they're divorced or separated, even though their their ex is doing unspeakably cruel things to them, either legally or with their kids, they still make their ex their mental point of origin. Mm. Yeah. So mm. what is it that I'm doing that they might be pissed off about? Or how can I try and ameliorate them and make them happy? All right. Some guys keep doing that. Mm. Really, 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 really brief story. So, um, so, and it, this is, isn't a really good one, but it, it it's it's the point. So this guy, he, he um, I spoke to this guy very briefly. Um, his ex was cheating on him. He asked her to stop. She said, "Actually, I'm having a good time, so I'm not going to stop." He said they had two small kids. Um, he said, "Please stop. I just, you know, it, you know, I don't want you to do this. You know, we stood up and said, you know, forsaking all others, blah blah blah. I'm serious about my marriage vows. I don't want to break my marriage vows. Can you please stop?" She said, "No." screw you and so she kept on doing it became more and more blatant more and more of it he was working in an office and she's decided to have an affair with the guy with a guy on the same floor in the same office she figured out a guy in the same office as him and then she started banging him and then um he completely lost it there was no way he could escape from it then he completely lost it it came into work had a punch up with this guy lost his job she took out an avo against him so he couldn't go to his house. He didn't have a job. Um, he was um, he he fully lost his shit. Got temporarily committed to um, the psychiatric because he just had a complete mental breakdown. Then he had to move in with his parents. And five years later, five years, wow. um, they still hadn't divorced. He's still trying to do stuff to make her happy. All right. And it's like she drove him right to the edge of his point of sanity. And mm. five years later, he was still making her his mental point of origin. Yeah. And so one of the things, and so, you know, one of the things about, um, so having, being able to go, okay, it's time to move. Yeah. So, and one of the things about, um, and yeah, it's like, it's, it's getting back to the island. It's like, what's another now? Yeah. We are in another now. So the moment of five minutes ago is already passed. So, but people will hang on to this stuff from, two, three, five years ago, and they loop it inside their head, right? And, and, and then one of the things about neurological patterns is they tend to be self-reinforcing, right? So 80% of people fuel their cars up from the same service station at the same time at the same day of the week, right? Yeah. 80% of people do that, right? 
So we, our, um, because the unconscious mind places incredible weight on the familiar. Mm. Right now, from an evolutionary bio, uh, from a from a um, evolutionary psychology perspective, it makes sense. If you're walking through the forest and you see some red berries that almost you almost died the last time you ate the red berries, it's a really good idea for the unconscious mind to place incredible weighting on the alert signals, right? Mm -hmm. This yep. caused you pain, don't do it, all right? And so in terms of motivation, we are strongly, um, there, there's a strong um, motivation signal that says um, move away from pain. Pain is far more weighted in terms of our neurology from that for that evolutionary psych reason right so that's why people will, will loop around things that were painful mm. they'll set up these neurological loops and so one of the one of, one of the principal uh reasons why um nlp is different or has has been different from everything is it asks the question what do you want right what do you actually want for some people that's a revolution yeah oh definitely yeah Definitely. So, to think that they actually have a choice. Yeah, that's right. What do you want? What the heck? What I actually have want? a choice in this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? How do you, how are you going to go? Like, <laughs> so I, honestly, sometimes, so some, you know, some of the divorced guys are, so they'll, they'll be like, blah, 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 my ex, blah, 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 my ex, blah, 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 blah. She did blah, 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 blah. This happened, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going like, great, what do you want? And they're like, huh? Hmm. What? Like, what do you want? Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about that for years. Probably a good idea to start now, mm. right? What yep. do you actually want? Yeah. 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 Consider about how you're going to go about doing that. Yeah. yeah. Clean slate, you know, like look at it like a, um, yes, you've got to go through the emotional stuff, the grief stuff, rebuilding it stuff. You've got to take into account your losses and, but look at where your gains are coming in and, and all of those sorts of things. And, you know, having a support network around you that doesn't leave you sitting in your story about your pain, but just gently encourages you to, or kicks your ass, depends on who your friends are, I suppose, to just yeah. keep moving forward, um, focus on that mission, focus on what do you want? Because you get a choice here. You know, this has happened for you. You need to acknowledge what's going on, but this has happened for you. And let's, let's get to it. Let's start thinking about what we want from this day forward. Yeah, and that's right. And so, you know, with the, um, with the whole COVID-19 thing, there's a whole lot of people whose the patterns of their lives have fundamentally changed, at least temporarily, you know, for some people permanently. Yeah. You know? And so it, um, entire industries will have to fundamentally change. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So a lot of people are going, mm, uh, well, I, was, um, I did all this stuff. What, what am I doing? Right. And so I think there's a whole lot of reevaluation of things. And, you know, um, alcohol consumption has tripled because mm. <laughs> a lot of people are going like, oh, well, fuck, I don't want to think about that. Let's have a beer instead, right? Now, in some circumstances, that's actually okay, but sort of as a coping mechanism, not particularly great. Mm -hmm. So asking, asking the question, what do I want? How am I, going to, how am I going to go about doing that? And what are three different ways I can do to get to that outcome, right? Yeah. Now, um, so in, in military terms, it's called pace planning, right? 
you have a primary, you have alternate, you have a contingency, right? What's the primary way of doing it? If that locks out, what's your alternative? If that locks out, what's your contingency, right? Mm. Yep. So that's the, that's the way uh, my, my um, instructor taught me to put together my survival gear and to approach the concept of survival yep. pace, right? Now, a whole lot of people going, well, um, what I wanted probably isn't going to become a, oh, how I can get to what I want probably won't be available for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. So then, so what they're trying to do is, and what they're going to be trying to do on mass is come up with what, come up with different ways of doing things. But if you're thinking about that now or, or fold that into your thinking, then you'll never be in a situation, you'll, you'll be able to improve and you'll be never be in a situation where you get stuck. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, and you know, if, for those that are listening, not just in with in your career, which is kind of what we're talking about with regards to the COVID stuff, but in any aspect of life. Yeah. And so any aspect of life, you'll never be stuck. No, I'm not suggesting having, you know, a primary boyfriend, an alternate boyfriend, and a contingency. <laughs> really? Boyfriend. Hang on. Oh. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Let's think about that for a minute. <laughs> Some people date like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that all cut. Hey, no, no, you know, we no, no judgment. It's uh, it's all about figuring out who you are and what you want, right? That's right. What you well, want. Hey, what hey, Michael. Want. There's one thing we yeah. uh, you have you listened to Alison and A. Armstrong stuff. I've listened to Alison. I've got a lot of time for Alison Armstrong. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, But she made a really great, she said something really awesome, which resonated with me and we use it with our girls and and I don't own it as mine. I've got to give her credit. It's like the problem isn't the one, the problem is sorting. Yeah, that's right. It's a sorting mechanism. So finding the right person is a a sorting function. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the interesting, it was was actually interesting. for, for an entire week, all I ate was coconuts and one fish, right? There was no choice, right? That's what I could eat. Yep. Yep. Now, when I got back to Brisbane, I walked into the supermarket and I had a look around and I went, fuck. <laughs> like, there's literally 4,000 choices in this place. I, I, I had a miniature meltdown. I went, I'm getting, out, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Mm. Because it's way too much choice. Yeah. Right. Now we become so inured to the fact that there's tremendous choice available to us all the time. What happens when you take some of that away? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you get to go. Well, actually, what really matters? Yeah. So, so uh, if- uh, Michael, I think who, all the viewers that are watching, raise your hands. Like when we when we bring our new government and our new cult, I'm preparing like my new community <laughs> for the last month. Should we should we invite Michael along? Like as, as one of the as one of our survival guys, and uh, it sounds like, mate, that uh, you're like becoming the the MacGyver of personal development. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm I'm happy to talk to a lot. I'm happy to talk till my face falls off, right? But, but you know, ultimately, I'm, you know, what I'm. You remember one of the questions I asked you that really stumped you? I said, "What's a process?" without a process. Mm. Yeah. So I've been describing a process without a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Processes take everything away. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Right. That's the process without a process. 
And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I and look, I can do some incredibly convoluted and incredibly intricate verbal gymnastics, right? I can take people and get them whizzing around in a in a in a space where they can pop out going, I can't believe the words and language you use. It's like you created this entire world for me and it was one hundred percent vivid as if it's real. And how the hell did you do that? I can do that, right? And so it has its purpose, has its function, but there are other purposes and other functions that um that other things can do. And um so it's it'd be useful, I think. And from my experience, to do both. One thing that um, I did learn from you, mate, um, and and just listening to you again, I remember having those three or four conversations right at that peak time. We were talking quite often when you were going through the divorce, and you were looping and and going back into it, and you consistently drawing yourself back into. It. I'm super impressed how quickly you got out of it, too, mate. So, um, just like my belief is moving forward that how you spend your time is going to be way, way more important than what you have. And also to your authenticity and different ways of giving value to the world. Um, And that's why I've been one of your biggest fans around rebuilding the divorce man. And, um, and um, we do need to do more stuff together. That's, Mm. that's a given. So um, for sure. Yeah. So is there any other questions, Mel? Because uh, we've kept these people over time again, and I absolutely love that we do that. <laughs> we just have these amazing people that come on with amazing stories. But no, I, I don't have any more questions. I was just going to say, Michael, did you want to give us a rundown of what the program entails, how often Socials, you run your program, any of that you, sort of that. stuff? You give yourself a plug. Sure. Well, there's a real divorcement as a Facebook page, so just do a search for that. Um, there is a um, there's a website link, um, so I can um, I can copy that on this, here. Mate, I'll type it up now. Uh, hang on, let me um, let me just uh, jump into the site and um, and uh, get, get that to you. So uh, the real divorce man is actually it's an online course, um, and um, I'll just um, it's an online course. It's um, seven sessions. Um, Six chapters that go through. Uh, so it's, it's actually there's eight there's um eight different sessions. Um, the first one's introduction. Then it goes through the six steps. And the last one is um, how to fuck up your life for divorce. Common mistakes that men make. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're um, having one of those webinars on Sunday night. Actually, the the title of it is your relationship fucked. Yeah. So, um, maybe I'll have a chat to you about, I'm trying to create this survey questionnaire to, to, to give them awareness around where they need to go and what they need to do. So I, I might be giving you a call tomorrow just to get some insight. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we do have an online course. It's $97 um, to do. Uh, um, I've, I'll just post a link in here. I've just got a link right now. Um, If you've, um, got, if you've got any questions too with Michael Walt before we go, please chuck them in here. Or Angie's, Angie's yeah. asking, do you have an equivalent for women yet? Well, the process is the same, right? So um, I'd be able to, um, I'd be able to t- um, take some. No, the answer to the question is no, but uh, we have actually thought about it and we, we will be recording it. There is one difference between, between men and women is women typically um, place in terms of, at, uh, through the divorce process, um, 
safety becomes majorly important to them, both safety of income and physical safety, because women know um, they are smaller and not as strong, and um, their husband's probably ex-husband, who's fucking angry at them, is um, a lot bigger and a lot stronger and got a lot more muscles and can damage them bodily. Um, and so also he's more than likely, he makes a lot more money. And so there's, there's, um, there's financial insecurity and physical insecurity that men don't have yeah. to think about, yeah. right? But that's a common factor for all women. One thing Alison Armstrong said was um, how many times a week do you, like when was the last time a woman didn't feel safe? Like they're constantly surveying their, their mm. environment. And I'm like, I never not feel safe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't if I was you either. <laughs> I know, like, I, I know. I wouldn't have a problem. But yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I even with my business that I run from home, there's, you know, I'm very mindful about the men that I take on as clients. Um, so I have Reiki business, so they come for, come for Reiki, and I do not open my business to any man. I must know them, know that I can trust them and feel safe around them yep. in order to be able to have them come to my home and receive a treatment like that. So yep. it's so, so true. So, um, so men tend, yeah. So I know what you're, I know what you're talking about, um, about Trent, you know, like <laughs> I was talking to, to my boys once and they said, dad, are you ever afraid of the dark? And I said, no, no, I'm not afraid of the dark. He said, why is that? And I said, well, if I ever, ever walk through the dark, um, I know that I'm the most dangerous thing walking through there. <laughs> <laughs> hey mate, I actually, before, before we, before we head off, I, the one thing that really I loved about you and um, your ex-wife, and I, I've spent time with both you and your ex-wife, and I won't uh, and and have time for both you and your ex-wife because she's she's also a person of personal development and stuff like that. But like your boys, all right, like um, your boys, uh, they are uh, such uh, gentle souls and such energetic souls. Like, tell us a little bit about the, how the boys going because did one of them have um, some skin issues or something like yeah, you, so you guys had some challenges with the kids. Yeah. We've got some challenges. We've got some health challenges with the boys. Yep. Um, and, but look, you know, they're going great. Um, yep. So they're, um, you know, they've, they've got, and they've got some um, uh, difficulties. Uh, each, they've got some neurological stuff going on. That's, um, that's a challenge. So, but each one's different. So, but Clancy's, you know, Thomas is great. He's he's very smart. Um, he's really they're, they're doing really well at school. We managed to get them in a school with thirty-one students in it. Wow, it's amazing. In the whole school, it's only thirty-one yeah. kids in the whole school in the centre of Brisbane. Phenomenal. Um, so that's that sorts out a whole heap of Thomas's stuff. Clancy. Um, Clancy's like an encyclopedia of Minecraft. Like, holy shit, I don't understand that game at all. But he, <laughs> <you know. clears throat> but I've noticed Clancy's got Clancy's got my learning strategy. So when I want to learn something and I want to get good at something, I'll literally read everything I can about it. Like when I was, uh, I did a materials engineering degree at uni, and so I got the um, the pocket metals um, handbook, which is two and a half thousand pages long, and I read it, right, the whole thing. Like it was the most expensive book. It cost like four hundred dollars, and it was like 
that fucking thick and mm. I've read the whole thing. Um, so, um, so Thomas is like, so Clancy's like that. He's got dad's learning strategy. When he wants to learn something, he just goes just fully, fully immersed in it. So that's that, awesome. stood me, that, that stood me pretty well over a long period of time when I want to want to learn, like, you know, when I want to learn NLP, um, I got every book I could, right? Yeah. And then, you know, um, when it was time to do, <laughs> it was time to do my uh, master practitioner training. They had like a an an exercise of um, uh, for the assessment. There were sixty seven questions to do, and I'd finished them before the course had started because I just wanted to do the reading in front of that. So, um, so and that went for like twenty three pages of my answers. So. Um, you know, so Clancy's got dad's um, learning strategy, so which is great. So, yeah, um, it's awesome. Yeah, I just I, I remember the boys are so great while we're doing their training and catching up, and they'd always be sort of in there somewhere and um, doing their thing. And um, and they were really sweet kids, so I'm really grateful. And you had a lot of conversations of I don't care, I just want to make sure my boys are okay when you were going through. Um, yeah, look, and, and I'll you know, um, how to say so. Um, when they're old enough, um, I want to take them um, on survival challenges, right? Um, every single, pretty much every single um, warrior culture in the world, um, or very the vast majority of tribal cultures, have some kind of um, survival type experience um, or vision quest um, for their um, boys who are coming, coming yeah. into men. Yeah, yep. virtually yep. every single one. Yeah, and so um, I'll be very well placed to take those boys to places um, where you know they're going to be uncomfortable, but they're mm. going to be going to be on their own. I'm going to make damn straight, damn sure they're safe. Um, but it's uh, um, being safe and being at risk are two different things. Mm. And so, um, so I'm going to make sure you know, and also that you know they know their dad's got a black belt, right? And so because um, it's hanging on the wall of my bedroom, right? And so they also know that sort of I'm a, a strong advocate for um, getting the past capacity and skill uh, to be able to care for and protect those around you that don't have the capacity to do so. Um, mm. And also um, I'm a strong advocate for, um, you know, in, in the martial arts tradition that I studied, there's 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 a, there there were six core principles, one of which was Ricky Ifini, which means the unity of strength and love. So, in order to be loving for someone, you need to be strong, and you need or you need to be strong for someone if you're. But strength without love is violence, and so you need to have this unity of strength and love. Yep. Well, that's what it looks like. So the unity of strength and love, and so I'm going to teach. Uh, teach my boys how important that is now why does that matter in relationships well simply because if you're a pushover in a relationship you can't be loving for someone mm. right like you can't be loving you know like to be to be fully frank if you're a guy in a relationship and you're a pussy a woman might be attracted to you because she's already got one of those right <laughs> Can I use that as long as I quote? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we actually told one of our coaches the other day, he was obsessing over 
the opposite sex. I'm like, you are such a pussy right now. You are not owning it, bro. Like that is like, (laughs) yeah, I know. So you have to be, so there's a unity of strength and love. Every woman is looking for, for a man strong enough to, to surrender to. If he has no internal strength, he has no sense of his own self. He has no sense of his own mission. If he isn't, um, has, doesn't have his own uh, mental point of origin, then there is absolutely nothing about him that she can find desirable. Mm. Unless she, and, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I will add to that. And I think it's important that men understand this too, that it's as women, as conscious women who are looking for those men that have that, strength and certainty and that um that drive and mission in life that's wonderful but it's also okay to have moments of vulnerability and moments of not knowing like just having those moments that it's okay to fall apart and you don't have to always be strong and allowing the woman to just be able to hold you in those moments as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so you need to know when that's, and that's that, that point of, yes, that's exactly right. So that's yeah. the point of, of being open to expressing yourself, right? Mm. Not yeah. all the time. That, that takes practice too, Michael. It that does. It does. And, and, lot of practice. And many, many men in our society are, are poorly enculturated to do that. Yeah. Oh, w- yeah. women, the women yeah. need to be strong within themselves as well too. And Trent and I will talk more about this on Sunday night in our podcast around masculine and feminine energy and those sort of, and all of that jazz. But um, it's where a lot of my external learning has gone now is really understanding where that exists within one person, both the masculine and the feminine, and how important it is for a woman who wants to be, you know, a strong leader in the world to really own that that masculine part that she's not she she can hold that in herself. Yeah. Yeah, she can hold that in herself and and see that and not be looking for that externally. Yeah. As well. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, every everyone's a, a combination of masculine and feminine. And so there are very few people that are 100% masculine, 100% feminine. So we've got this balance inside us. And there are certain times when um, it's useful to be in one and it's useful to be in the other, right? And so knowing when's the right time to balance that and knowing when it's the right time to bring it forward is the critical thing you know so um you know being being fully you know like um guys that go you know i, I remember it was the night of, the day i got married this guy my older brother came to me and said mike just all you need to do is remember say yes dear a lot and you'll be fine and i looked and went huh what it's like you know it's like oh and the people guys said oh you know happy wife happy life and i went that's a statement of emotional slavery, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you want to make yourself an emotional slave to your wife. Now, once again, um, I, I was like, huh, what? Because every woman is looking for a man strong enough to surrender to, right? If he can't stand up to her, he can't stand up to the world for her. Yeah. So he has to be able to go, no. So at the time, particularly if she's coming up with a bad idea, right? At the time, it might piss her off, but afterwards, she'll be like, huh, okay, right? And so she can't to randomly say no for no reason, but actually, you know, 
That was it's a actually, dumb idea. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, that actually was a dumb idea. You know. Yeah, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> uh, and so if you mm. particularly if you explain why you say no, right? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I had I had a client once and and he and I, t I was talking about this and he went, um, so what do you mean? What are you suggesting I say no? And I went, yeah, you need to say no, right? <laughs> like, and he went, I don't know how to do that. And I went, is your name Jane? And he went, no. I said, okay, well, you just proved to me you can actually say that to me. So you do know how to say no, but how about trying it with your wife? And he's like, <sighs> and his brain's like going, oh, wow. right? And so he tried it out. And I said, here's, it. here's the thing. It's, I'll see you in a week's time, try it out and just say no to her a couple of times this week. And I went, okay. And so he did that and he came back and he goes, uh, I, and I said, what happened? And he went, well, you never guess what? I said, what? And he said, first time it pissed her off. Second time she got less pissed off, but then she fucked my brains out. And I went like, there you go, <laughs> All right? All right, that wasn't a desired outcome. <laughs> But guess what? Oh, yeah. so, it's just an added bonus. Yeah. I've told a couple of guys to jam ACDC on and puffy chest oh, out and, wow. and go and peacock it and um, just to get that hot, rigid energy because they're so overpowered by that. Yeah. And so if you say, if you, you know, if you say, yeah. if you're giving in all the time, if you acquiesce all the time, then the, there's no... You know, so the whole, so I did a heap of work with, um, on masculine, I did a five day workshop on masculine and feminine polarity with Michaela Baum, who's one of the leading experts on it. She's actually, she's the relationship expert to the stars, right? So I did a, um, I've done several of her training courses. Um, and um, I did a five day workshop, literally going in and out of polarity all the time, right? So switching polarities, right? So, so if you consider the masculine as, as being, the structure right it's it's the frame right and then the feminine is the flow right so the the women so if the if the woman's in a masculine and she's holding structure and holding frame then she doesn't she doesn't need the man right she doesn't need him because she she's got it right so um that's why it's important for the guy to be able to go no right it's not the actual top it's not the actual purpose of saying no you're not being an argumentative asshole but it's really important to be able to go to hold structure and have frame right because it demonstrates strength and then if you're if you're unable to demonstrate state strength you can't be desired all right now which gets back to something i was I spoke about previously mentioned in passing is is relationships are built on integrity Right. If you're always giving up your integrity to your partner all the time, she will not desire you or he will not desire you. You have to be able to hold your own integrity because mm -hmm. integrity is what makes people desire a bull. Yeah. If yeah. you give it up all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now in mm -hmm. relationships frequently, um, one of the reasons why women stop wanting to have sex with their partners because the sex they're having isn't worth having. <laughs> You know, what do you so mean? The, what, what do you what, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> well, the the the, the well, well, I'm not good at it. What are you saying? The the average duration of the average global duration of intercourse is five point two minutes. I wonder how they celebrate right? that. 
Yeah, they asked a whole heap of people all over the world, right? Just, just to, to, to time Sorry, it. Man, I'm just right? going for, for most, for, for most women, 5.2 minutes of sex is a really good start. But for men, it's over by then, right? Mm -hmm. So if the sex you're having isn't worth wanting, then it makes sense to not want it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All the women are nodding. They're going like, uh-huh. <laughs> Snarl's like, now it's getting interesting. Terry's popped up. Hi, Terry. Terry's going, I'm good. No, 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 no. Right? So, hey, Michael, we really got to wrap this up now. Okay, no worries. And I do thank you for your time. We're going to get you back on, mate. This will be one of hopefully many. Yeah, sure. No problem. And then we're going to have a bit of fun on Sunday night if you're available to come and say hello and um we're gonna uh, put a little bit of energy and a little bit hopefully make it a bit fun and entertaining on sunday night at the is your relationship fucked podcast sure. um it will go so over time no doubt it will go over time <laughs> no doubt so if you want to come on and type some stuff in the in the comments that'd be great but uh sure. anyway no mate i i um I lose time with you mate I, I really do and um it's so good to see your smiling face and you're doing well and i, I know that um uh, I know that uh, uh, life is really going well for you now. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, was it challenges? So, and thank you for your vulnerability, even behind like calling me and trusting me to share stuff. And I really do appreciate it. And um, I'm, everyone would have got a lot of value out of this tonight. So, um, and Mel, good job tonight, dude. Like I, I just let you go. You were doing awesome. So, <laughs> thanks. No worries. So team, uh, so Mel, what have we got coming up? Like we, we've, um, we're, we're a couple of days away from our evolutionary breakthrough master coaching program. Yes. Been a yes. Let's flex yes. people. Let's flex. We've sold out, which is cool. Oh, uh, so excited with some of the coaches that are coming on board. I haven't watched everybody's video in, in our group yet. I've got a few to catch up on, but the ones that I've seen, stories. holy Ooh. dooly. I'm, oh, there's some amazing stories coming in there. Yeah, we're coming close so to our first, round, our first round of coaches being qualified, which is super exciting as well. They've got a couple of modules to yeah. go in their yeah. six-month process. So, um, And then also, too, we'll announce our second day. We've got huge live webinars coming up and, and programs starting in March from Rural Resilience Project, Passionate Parenting. We've got Wife, Mum, Me Project um, uh, coming up. Like, it is huge. Like, um, there's some coaches, like, the vibration of the group from the coaches coming through have been, like, they are stepping up and showing up, which is where 98% of coaches, they don't even show up for the first appointment. So... Yep. These these guys uh, are, are phenomenal and they're ready to sort of tackle tackle the world. So Yeah, so keep uh keep posted. But yeah, join us on Sunday night and we'll be coming to you live again with some more relationship talk. Thank you to everyone for dropping in and thank oh, next you. Week we money talk. We the... money talk next week. Oh yeah, of course. Yes, yes. we're, we're already talking talk. about that today. Totally. Yes. yes. We've got um a gentleman who is one of the top builders here in my hometown, um, brother of one of our coaches coming through. And it's going to be an incredible chat with both of those guys too around um, investments and, and money and emotions and all of that. Rob, all Rob, of that. Robbie, Robbie built a seven figure property portfolio on, on retail wage. I don't get it. <laughs> on retail, he's built like, 
I, I yeah, it's phenomenal. And the money mastery program he's bringing together to simplify it, like I'm getting on. Okay. Cause I could definitely improve in some of my strategies, but like the, his story um, and how he's approached it, like on a retail wage, seven figure property portfolio, like just phenomenal. Yep. And we made some money in um, property investments. There's definitely some money to be made there. If you're looking for, like Michael said, what are your threes? What are your mm-hmm. three ways to uh, get through life? So nice. maybe that's mm. one that you may like to consider. Awesome. Mel, thank you, Mel. We did it again. Awesome. You're amazing tonight. And I look forward to having a bit of fun and a bit of banter on Sunday night for everyone that tuned in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone that jumped in live. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we are over and out.